0: If you're good at something, never do it for free. You're my older brother, and I love you. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. I you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, welcome back. We are the Potfellas, and thanks for listening to our entertainment podcast. I'm Myron, and joining me each week is Will. Hey... Each week, we'll provide a film or TV review, followed by a deeper dive into a related topic. In the last episode, we mentioned that we would be reviewing uh, Six Underground, followed by a look at Michael Bay's film career. We're changing things up a bit, namely because Will and I have a gig in Miami uh, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we do. When I think of Miami, I think of Bad Boys. I think Michael Bay. I think Pain and Gain. So I, we thought it would be great to do a Michael Bay episode live from Miami. Can you so. box
0: the Bad Boys song, Rose?
1: uh i don't Is there a beatbox part to that
0: well, no there isn't i no. just wanted to hear it, see if you would do it i i don't i
1: don't beatbox i can i can uh sing it for you no i, I heard you beatbox will no i didn't no. i actually did yeah I so cannot. so you. so go ahead
0: <laughs> nope that's the wrong beat i'm sorry that, that, that sounds like a porno that's <laughs> not sorry i'm not gonna even try you know what you know what i'd rather just have you sing a cappella if you can
1: mm, what you're gonna do <laughs> What you're gonna do when they come for you? And that was Bad Boys. And that was you. Bad Boys. <laughs> That's my cover. So instead, we will be reviewing 1917, directed by Sam Mendes, yes. and we will, yes, Will's number one movie of 2019. Yes. And we'll be following that up with a look back at his directorial debut, American Beauty, which won him an Oscar. And joining us, yet again, he just can't get enough of us, is Steve Ochang
2: yo it's because i have no life thanks
1: for bringing me in hey if you don't have a life we don't have a life because we're all doing this together but you guys go to this Miami. is that's true
0: <laughs> well for work for work yeah yeah
1: and play but mostly for work <laughs> yeah anyway uh steve really wanted to be a part of this namely because he wanted to neg on 1917 yeah actually <laughs> Well, here's your, your shot because uh, I think, uh, you know, I think Will's going to gush about it and I'm going to be like Switzerland on this. I'll be neutral and then wow. Steve will offer the other side. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I wanted to look back at some of the goings on in the entertainment industry. The Golden Globe Awards uh, happened last Sunday. So I wanted to get some feedback from you guys. Did the Hollywood Foreign Press get things right? What are your thoughts on the awards, the special moments and even some of the controversies? First
2: Cebo. Uh Aquafina um, that was pretty badass. She uh, won for uh, I think Golden Globes for best actress in a film yeah. I believe and and in like a, and, and a yeah, comedy and in a comedy right musical there you go Yeah, <laughs> and for the first time ever and so that was that was pretty huge I thought but uh what what I was really disappointed by was the lack of um, diverse directors for yeah. films mm-hmm. um, and, yeah. I mean
1: Little Women was your favorite film and you yeah. love Greta and didn't she didn't yeah them.
2: no Greta no Lulu and I thought uh, I know, like, BAFTA had the same problem, and I know that they came up with, like, you know, saying that it's Hollywood's fault that there's not enough films. Okay, like, Little yeah. Woman was phenomenal, The Farewell was phenomenal, there are phenomenal films out there. It's just that a lot of these institutions, you know, they have a different perspective that's not uh, jiving with, um, you know, the rest of modern society.
1: So, in your opinion, not only should have they should they have been nominated, they should have been given some serious, uh, you know, it should have been a possibility that they can even win it, right? That's yeah absolutely
2: saying. yeah because yeah. i mean you can't ignore 2019 films without thinking of little woman and The true. farewell you just can't
1: very true very true mm. um and uh will uh, what were your thoughts on some of the winners
0: i honestly thought bong Ho should have won best screenplay i i mean looking at the other competition i really thought that although the other films were ov- like very formidable and awesome films I just felt like Parasite held up better with more intricate layers to the story hmm. of the film itself. Like it was just technically and and, and you know cinematographically and and like uh, just just the edit uh, just just the whole story itself and where it was taking place and the situation how intricate it was was brilliantly done I thought and and just the, the cast and everything was was great and I thought it would have been so good for. A foreign film, you know.
1: Did you guys watch the Joaquin Phoenix speech? I did. No, not. I, heard I heard about it. it. Yeah, I heard. It, it. was cringeworthy. Really? Because he was completely drunk, and it was funny. Was he in it, character
2: as Joker? I don't or know. Just in character as Joaquin?
1: I think he was in <laughs> character as Joaquin. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Hmm. Very interesting, but I thought it was well deserved.
0: What was the he, highlight though of his drunken speech? Um, he just I. I <sighs>
1: The highlight or or the or the low point?
0: (laughs) I don't think there's any low point when it comes to awesome drunk
1: speeches. Well, he went off about you know his his girlfriend. I didn't know he was dating Rooney Mara, who is yeah, yeah, Yeah. who is uh, who played his ex-wife in the movie Her. But uh, yeah, he was very, very uh, in love with her. Sounds like the podium. Sounds
0: like sounds like those uh, speeches that you hear at weddings. You know, I
1: know, right? <laughs> yeah, I gave one of those drunk yeah. weddings. <laughs> oh, hey, man. but he won, and you know, it was well deserved. I yeah. have to say that. What about you, Myron? Um, I thought that the Hollywood Foreign Press uh, of the persons nominated largely got it right. Um, I thought there was a massive issue with who got nominated, like the fact that uh, a movie like Us. Then to get nominated uh, or mm. uh, Lupita Nyong'o, who I thought had the best performance of the year, yeah. should have at least gotten a nomination. But I have a strong feeling that um, the Academy Award nominations, which are announced on Monday, I think they're going to rectify a lot of the wrongs and a lot of the controversies from the Hollywood Foreign Press and the Golden Globes. I wouldn't be surprised to see a woman or two nominated as Best Director, to be quite honest with you. What I do hope you think? so. I yeah. hope
2: so. I mean, there's a lot of Brits in that Academy. Mm. That's true. That's but true. they've also taken a lot of effort to sure. diversify.
1: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Moving on, wanted to give you all a quick look at some of the episodes that will be coming your way Uh, next week. We'll be doing a review of Jojo Rabbit and we'll also be revisiting Taika Waititi's, one of his earlier movies, What We Do in the Shadows. Really looking forward to that. And then, like I mentioned, Will and I will be in Miami, so we will be doing a podcast regarding Bad Boys for Life as well as looking at Michael Bay's film career. We'll be recording that live from South Beach. Keep a lookout for that. We really appreciate all of you uh, listening. Our uh, audience numbers have been growing very steadily. We appreciate you getting the word out. If you have any comments, feedback, anything you'd like to say, any criticisms, just go ahead and let us know. We would appreciate hearing from you. You can go ahead and send us an email at thepodfellaspodcast at gmail.com and we will be sure to respond as quickly as possible. So moving on to our main review for the episode, we will be talking about 1917. Here is a quick look at the trailer.
2: In your own time, gentlemen, must be something big if the channel's here. You have a brother in the 2nd Battalion. Yes, sir. They're walking into a trap. Your orders are to deliver a message calling off tomorrow morning's attack. If you fail, it will be a massacre. We've got orders to cross here. That is the German front line.
0: Hold on! If we're not clever about this, no one will get to your
2: brother. I will.
1: that was the trailer for the film 1917, directed by Sam Mendes. Two young British soldiers during the First World War, they're given an impossible mission to deliver a message deep into enemy territory that will stop 1600 men, including one of the soldier's brothers, from walking straight into a deadly trap. I actually just watched this film last night, and you know how I felt, it was very mixed at first. Uh, I I have to say, uh, when the movie First started, you're already um, introduced to the fact that this movie is supposed to play out basically in one long, continuous take. And for the most part, I mean, it's a technical achievement. I mean, I feel as though the Steadicam operator and the focus puller should ha- get medals of honor, honorary Academy Awards, <laughs> medals they, of honor. <laughs> they should they should have currency with their faces printed on it because what they did. Is phenomenal. I don't know how they did it.
2: And not just Steadicam operators, but jib and boom and crane operators. I mean, yeah. they're handing the cameras off and people yeah. are stepping on and off of jibs and cranes to hand off the camera. And yeah, Really?
1: Insane. I didn't know. Yeah. So is that how they were getting into like those hard to reach places? Yeah. yeah. Wow. It was a handoff. Right. And it was a Steadicam handoff, not like a gimbal. And anything.
0: I believe some of I the- think it was a gimbal. Yeah, it was okay. some of them were gimbals and some, yeah, most mm-hmm. of them were gimbals. Some of them were steady cam, but I saw yeah. the behind the scenes of it. And some of the uh, operators actually were dressed up as soldiers to be able to not mess up the shot. And so when they were handed off, they would hand it off to the soldiers that would still, if the camera was not shot, That's genius. they were in costume. So they knew. And yeah. even when they got off, still, and then they would get a, it. It was just, oh my gosh, it was amazing. Like just when I was looking <laughs> up that behind <laughs> the scenes. I think he
1: likes it. Oh my gosh. I love it. Anyway, so like I said, you're introduced very quickly to this idea, but honestly, for me, just to be completely blunt, for the first 30, 40 minutes of the film, I thought it was more of a gimmick that was holding the movie back. A director has an ability to work with his actors to frame up a shot and also determine, you know, in the edits what angles he wants to use to best tell a story. So I felt as though this whole one-shot idea was very limiting for the actors uh, from a performance perspective, but also from a director, because uh, you're not given the chance to really frame up the actors um, and also in edits to determine what shots would be best to tell the story. And I felt like as though almost as if the, the director and also the, the director of photography, in this case Roger Deakins, they were almost handcuffed and a slave to the camera work happening and the actors, they only had one shot to perform. So it was all about for everyone in the movie and there's some great actors in this movie about hitting your mark so as not to mess up the shot And then you know keep the train moving you know keep the car going down the road um so i i felt very conflicted during the first 30 40 minutes of the movie and i started to try to predict what would happen next and i just kept telling myself well it's a two-hour movie and we wouldn't be watching this if they don't make it but then somewhere along the line i felt as though the stakes were elevated quite a bit and all of a sudden i didn't know what was going to happen next that really pulled me into the movie and i forgot about the whole one take and then all of a sudden, I was engrossed in the story. I was engrossed in the characters. I wanted to know what was going to happen next. And I actually thought that um, I was thinking literally, um, all right, Roger Deacons, he's just using natural light, and it's not like he can put, light, put lights anywhere. If he's not putting lights anywhere, what is he really doing? But then there was some gorgeous, beautifully lit shots, um, later on in the film that I was just like, wow, okay, this, these shots are absolutely beautiful. So my whole, um, my whole review, I would say changed about halfway through the movie. And then I think honestly, the last, uh, the last half of the movie was a masterpiece for me. Yep. So overall I thought it was a great movie, uh, definitely worth a watch. And it was harrowing both emotionally and, uh, physically I was literally gripping my seat at a few moments. And Will, I know you mentioned that this, a lot of the scenes felt like you were in a video game and I, and I had to agree. You were yeah.
0: literally, hell yeah.
1: You were <laughs> literally like hearing and seeing soldiers and gut shots and gunshots happening to the character at the same time you see it. So you feel like you're the main character in the, in the, in the movie. Yeah. Except
2: they weren't shooting at any Germans. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's very, very true. So overall, I, I really love the film. And I know, Will, that you um, liked it a little bit more than I did. So why don't you share your thoughts on it?
0: Okay, so there are there are a few things. First, um, in terms of limiting, I, I I honestly believe that it was not so much limiting, but they wanted to challenge themselves. I remember, I think I was watching an episode uh, behind the scenes, actually, with Roger Deakins and Sam Mendes, how they really wanted to create a film that, that was just continuous to the point where, okay, also... To make it as 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 real and authentic and natural as possible, which obviously, when it comes to shooting all the outside shots, y- you just have the sun, and and uh, with some of the interviews with the actors, they even said, okay, yeah, there will be moments where we will be sitting around for like fifteen minutes waiting for the lighting to be correct with the sun, and we were all standing. Like, it was a team effort where the actors, the crew, the the, the directors, everyone were on standby and working in unison the other thing too that i looked at uh, at it when it came to the continuous uh, momentum of the film was that it was very to me it was like theater because when you watch a play there are no cuts that's what was another thing that was an amazing challenge when i looked at it was that the, the the two actors they had to be in it and, and really make sure that however long this take is, whether it's eight minutes or whether it's 15 minutes of them going through what they had to go through, that their marker had to be spot on, just like how you would watch it in a theater play. And that is what I appreciated so much about it too, was that they were still in it. And, um, you know, yeah, the camera work for sure. I know that it would be a lot of push and pull where the camera operators would, have to really predict and kind of watch their pace, which I think they did more of rather than the actors having to think, where's my marker? Where do I got to go? All I, I, I honestly believe that they were really focused more on the end goal and being in their story of what the the whole mission was about and the camera work and everyone else following them and really trying to like predict and, and, and pace themselves as they were trying to follow these two. I know, I understand that it, it was slow in the first 30 minutes of the film, but like I see, like like you said, you know, I love the fact that it felt like definitely a video game. Like it, it's just yeah, one of those things where anytime I'm playing Modern Warfare or every time I'm playing Battlefield, whatever, and you see this to me, I look at those and think this is what a, how a film should look like. The animators who do these types of like Activision or or any of those people. I know that those camera angles and the movements that they do in those video games is impossible for the most part, because you can go through a character and all that stuff. But I'm just like how immersive it is the fact that this is a video game, but I feel like, man, I'm watching an amazing freaking Epic film in that sense, which I thought was amazing.
1: So let me ask you this. Will. um, So, uh, when you first saw this movie and also in your review during our top 10 films of the year, you met, you talked quite a bit about the technical achievements of the film and how they are even able to pull this off. Yeah. Um, does the technical achievements of the movie, is that the main reason why you love the movie itself? Do you love the technical aspect of the movie or do you love the movie itself?
0: So I, so I believe, I really think that the project both was, was, was just awesome performances And the technical aspect of it, because even though it was simple uh, of a story, it was yet also complex because war is never simple. You know, war is never it's if you look at the story, it's simply two two soldiers. One has a brother and they had to send a message to go and stop them from being ambushed. That, That was like, okay. that's literally. A simple freaking storyline of snobs you can think of, right? But the journey to get there, and and being able to understand, okay, who are these two characters? That's what I honestly believe in the first thirty minutes, like it was really unraveling for us. Like, who are these two characters? Like, what's their kind of their backstory? Get a feel for them. The technical aspect for me that I appreciated was just the fact that it didn't really. Cut away. It, it let us follow with them as if like we're on this long. Mm-hmm. It's like when you take a long walk with with a friend, and you guys talk about life, and and yeah. and you, the, you know, there's no cutaway kind of thing. So I, yeah,
1: I do appreciate the fact that. So even the first half an hour where things were a little slower, I still realized that they had to still commit to the one take rule, even though in the beginning it may not have help the film or enhance the film or, or raise the height and the level of anxiety and tension, Yeah, but they had to commit to it. So I understand that. And so it's almost, you have to get through that for it to pay off. But it's like a video game tutorial.
2: Yeah. The first few scenes, (laughs) like you have to like learn how
1: the game works why is the
0: jump. But the other thing though, that I, I don't know, that was immersive for me was their environment while the the camera was following them continuously, I was looking at the valleys. I was looking at like the 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 how how beautiful the landscape looked. And then once they went to the trenches, I was like, "Wow, look at all these soldiers, you know, cleaning their guns, uh, soldiers like, you know, like trying to like um, wrap their head around with bandages, whatever. All these little details as you're going through was uh, there's so much to just look at, you know, you're hearing the conversation but more more than that was like in my head i realized i yeah like wow they didn't cut away yet but holy crap everyone is like amazingly in it
1: it's like you're in a real world uh three like a fully realized environment yeah
0: Yeah. like you're a soldier too walking just walking behind them yeah Yeah. that's why i just had such an impression. i wonder
2: how they constructed it if it's like similar to how they uh construct uh video game stories Mm -hmm. so the way they do games is they they have sets Mm -hmm. they have set pieces yeah right and so they build out these set pieces and they build out the rules to those sets and then they just plop the characters in and then the writers then string together a story from set to set.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Every little detail matters every little tiny piece of that whatever the extra has to do like walk across and light a cigarette you know all those little details matter and i just thought it just really kept me going Like it kept me in the in the moment so, of that
1: so let me ask you this before we get to your review of it Stevo, um you may or may not know i don't know the answer to this how many cuts are there in this movie there's one obvious one yes. to me there's and, three okay.
0: I, I thought there were like three or four um the one obvious one that i caught was the transition between where remember the huge water uh with the yeah. bodies in and they're having to walk across yeah. the moment that rock comes in to, to, to come in place i was like okay that's a cut because i saw yeah, yeah. Th- th- there's a moment where I, I might be wrong though and if i am wrong holy crap that was an amazing yeah. freaking no transition. i think you're right
2: because it was like a, a very obvious camera like, move it was a mask it was a mask i saw yeah. i felt like i, saw I think you mask right. yeah. because also the
0: characters seemed to change perspective in terms of size uh-huh. yeah so that was one I saw right
1: and there's obviously the one where he gets knocked out and wakes right. up in it's night Yes, mm-hmm. the other one that I thought I saw was when um, When Schofield and his partner they first cross over to the German line mm-hmm. and they are in the barracks And yeah. then there is that explosion right um, and that he's covered in in dust I yeah. felt like there yeah. had to have been a cut there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, but if
0: mm-hmm. there wasn't
2: yeah. holy crap yeah. dude That would that would be amazing. Martin. I have a question for you. You, yes. you mentioned like, you know, the technical aspect of it um Would it have been a different experience had you not known that it was technical? So you weren't looking for, you know, the constant camera movement in the the first 30 minutes or whatever.
1: I think that for me, the language of film is that there are edits made and those edits give us as a movie goer uh, time to take things in differently, to breathe a little bit. So I think the whole concept of of using in this movie is to enhance that level of tension but at the beginning um you know it was quite a bit of them just walking and i thought that i was getting fatigued if anything by the long cut steve-o what were your thoughts on this movie okay so here comes (laughs) (laughs) well
2: first off i'm going to start off with some positives i think it was definitely one of the most beautiful films of the year i mean the the technical wizardry was really impressive that's like very obvious i think but um I, I agree with Myron where like a lot of the technicality of it felt like it got in the way of like character development and story. And once you see past the, the mirage, if you will, of the camera movements and everything, um, a lot of things for me started to fall apart. You know, um, I think to Will, to your point, I totally agree with everything you're saying. And um but I think there's certain aspects that I just could not get over. And like, uh, for example, with story um, and I, I had the same issue with Dunkirk with this one where um, like Myron, you mentioned like the stakes didn't pick up for you until like halfway into the film, the second half of it. And I totally agree with you. Like, uh, I felt like when they got into the trenches in, in the opening part where you know, you no, know, the it first starts off where they're in the field, right? And then they're just kind of like lying around, and then they get the order. Uh, maybe because I'm coming from perspective of understanding what you know, having studied World War One a little bit in, in school and whatnot, but it didn't feel like World War One at that point. You know, and it felt like um, the stakes weren't there. You didn't see the, the crazy, you know, this is 1917 now, two, three years into the war. It's one of the most bloodiest wars ever. And uh, these two guys are just chilling in the field. It didn't, the, the stakes just weren't there for that, I felt like. And um, there are other films that just, just a little bit more action up front, maybe, just to show the grotesqueness of it, um, could have set up the stakes of why crossing into enemy lines was such a big deal. You know, uh, the the toughest thing they seemed to get through was barbed wire in the first like 30 minutes. You know, that's like the most like difficult thing. But, you know, there's like supposed to be machine gun nests and, you know, um, chemical warfare, gassing and stuff like that. All that was happening, shelling and yeah. So I felt like the stakes just weren't there. And um, I feel like if they did open up with that, it would have made a lot more sense. It would have given all the characters a lot more, um, you know, uh, motivation and and, um, justification as to... Uh, the threat of why they're going through all
1: but that. But correct me if, if I'm wrong, but in the beginning, don't they explain that the Germans pulled back from the front?
2: Yeah, which I thought was really clunky. It mm. felt confusing, you know? Like, what's really clear to, to me as an audience goer to see that they're in, in battle, or like they're in a war and that there's threats, is to show it. Mm-hmm. And to show, to explain it, you know, in a, and I couldn't even see the map. I was really confused as to, like, where they were going, mm. you know? And I don't know. It, it, to me, it felt like it was a real clunky way to try to explain to set up the scene in okay. the movie. got it. Yeah. Um, I also think that there were too many moments that were kind of confusing plot-wise. Like uh, there's a moment where um, suddenly a truck of uh, British soldiers pops up. But like the first half was set up that, you know, oh, this is so dangerous to cross into enemy territory. And they're going through the, the trenches in the bunker and they come out and, oh, there's already British soldiers here with trucks. Like I thought at first, oh, this is going to be like a harrowing journey where they're on foot and they're going deep into enemy lines. And then there's a whole like army, like a uh, battalion of troops. And so things like that kind of pulled me out of the moment, Mm. you know, Um, the moment with the the baby and the French woman, that too, like had a lot of issues with that. Mm. Yeah. And what
1: what were the issues with the French woman and the baby?
2: um, To me, it felt really forced. You know, Um, I think the best representation of that was because you see this kind of cliche in a lot of war movies. Uh, like, uh, what was that tank one with Brad Pitt? Fury, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so there's like that. But I sure. think the best one was like uh, Saving Private Ryan with the you know with the, the the little girl that Vin Diesel's character is trying to oh, yeah. save, you know? It felt uh, really wrong in the moment, you know? Like they were caught in the middle of battle and uh, the wall just collapsed. Versus this, like he kind of stumbled into it. And there's like a you, fire going. Yeah, and, and you like, thought the whole city had been utterly destroyed and... All of a sudden, here's a French lady with a baby.
1: Yeah.
0: What's so funny, though, is that I wasn't really, I I didn't really think about that. What I thought about in that moment, which I thought was hilarious. Just going back to the whole video game concept was when he, him and his um, Lance Corporal both uh, Blake and uh, Schofield were at the um, farmhouse and he gathers the milk. You know because he ran out of water so it's kind of like you find that along the way of like when you're playing a game and then all of a sudden he ends up seeing his mother like, oh, It's yeah. like oh she needs milk it's like oh look in your inventory yeah exactly yeah. my
2: question too is uh, level up <laughs> yeah do newborns <laughs> drink cow milk
1: they they can uh, they obviously can. formula would be best but you yeah. know i think they can yeah
0: well for 1917 that was
1: best yeah <laughs> They did. They, they don't know what we know. Because that's what I kept thinking.
2: It's like, no, he, the baby needs like breast milk. He needs formula. He can't just drink cow milk, can it? Well, like, it,
0: when when it's <laughs> when it's that type of situation, yeah. Yeah. whether it lives whether he or she lives or dies, you know, at least they tried, kind right? Of thing. So.
2: But I, I think that those are, these are the kind of things that pulled me out. Ah, okay. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think uh, the acting, like, I, I commend them on the effort to like you know to convincingly portray these characters, and I think for the most part. I feel like they succeeded, you know? You're
1: talking about the main soldiers or just all the cast members?
2: There are a couple moments in the performances where uh, the camera pans off with one character and then to give time to set up for something in another scene. And it felt like, you know, they were quickly putting on makeup or wardrobe or whatever to switch it up. And then when they came back, to me, it felt like uh, the actors weren't ready just yet. And so the scene just fell flat. And uh, those kind of distractions just really pulled me out. Wow. I, I think that it made me laugh out loud because... It's not the reaction I was expecting because it didn't feel
1: natural. So you almost felt like you were seeing. It almost felt like you were seeing the strings behind the puppet show in a sense. Oh, absolutely, right? the director's yeah. hand—they call it. Yeah. Like
2: it's Got all over it. the place. Every time the camera is like moving in certain ways that feel contradictory or unmotivated, you see the director's hand. Yeah.
0: Sure. Okay. Yeah. So for me, then, I feel like that this is a great uh, first kind of of its war type of film that other hopefully future filmmakers and future directors can look at and go, okay. Now, how can we expand on this? Yeah. Keep the formula of the technicality, but how can we now bring more yeah. better performances? Yeah. I, I think
2: one of the best of like, in terms of war battle was uh the Reverend in you know, a Ritu scene. You know, he did a 20 minute take. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. Where the natives are attacking and the fur traders and it was like an uncut 20 minutes. Right. It was amazing. Wow.
1: So okay. there was the, the, the revenant, right? The Revenant, yeah. Yeah. So there was The Revenant and also Children of Men also had long, uncut war scenes. They did. Maybe a question I'd like to ask is would this movie have benefited if they only had certain sections run as long takes? Or do you think that by trying to make it this way, make it one long take from beginning to end that it, that it succeeded. Honestly,
0: I see this as, you know what, in about maybe 10 years, um, CGI is going to get to the point where we're really not going to notice that these are CGI people and we're all going to be tricked and now all, everything, we're all going to live in the
1: Matrix. I, I have to disagree to the extent <laughs> that I, I, Sorry, no, yeah. I, I, I agree. <laughs> and but disagree because I think we'll still always need people, but I feel as though the the you know CG and stuff like that, it's gonna literally hide all of our cuts. If they want to make it a, a one-take movie, mm-hmm. you just do it in green screen or something, you know. <laughs> I, I think terrible. that the one
2: take, like it's a great technical tool, you know? I love that it, doesn't yeah. make a movie. Yeah. No, it doesn't. And so I yes. think a lot of the issues are issues that could have been solved in writing. Right. True. You know, and just being able to direct the actors inside of situations that can provide a more um, motivated performance.
0: Yeah, and yeah, and just the whole one take scene is just one brush stroke, a specific brush stroke of how people want to paint their visual kind of thing. But yeah, it, yeah, the story wise, I agree. It could have, it, it, it would have been awesome if they started with an epic battle in the beginning and somehow kept it still that momentum of one take scene to then be able to introduce that. So I do agree that you should always. I do believe that starting strong, you know, and ending strong.
2: Yeah, I yeah so.
1: Any more comments? Anything you Any like to negativity? say? Any more yeah.
2: negativity? <laughs> I just want to talk about like the historical perspective of World War One sure. because World War One is the first modern war in human civilization, mm-hmm. and um, it, it's a war that is known to be like really atrocious and difficult. And you know, it's called a war of attrition. That's where it first came out, where it's last man standing. You know, and uh, the the I think I mentioned it before, but like. Machine gun nests for the first time or mowing hundreds of soldiers down dead barbed wire dead, you know um, The the nonstop shelling that's where shell shock that term comes from which is like an extreme form of PTSD Right. Uh, it got to the point where the soldiers were so de- demoralized because they didn't understand after a while why they were even fighting and um, Officers would at gunpoint force them to either attack or be shot by their own officers and especially by 1917 a lot of that was happening because there's a lot of mutinies and I feel like uh, it got kind of got really sugar-coated
1: all right. anything else Steve that you want to say how uh, else would you like to tear this movie <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> I
2: mean these, these are I think very granular Yeah. you know I think as an overall experience it is enjoyable and I, I highly recommend people to watch it yeah
1: all, you right. Know? Yeah. all right so uh, moving on I think we already talked about what we didn't like in the movie um, Steve-o definitely did that yeah I made it all out <laughs> Out of five stars, five stars being a perfect movie. I want to ask you both, Stevo, first. What is your review? What do you rate the movie? So, uh oh jeez, <laughs> oh geez. The
2: cynical side of me would say I would give it a two point five. I'm going to give it a will co- coefficient because you <laughs> love the movie Inflation. so much. And, no, don't do any favoritism so, for me, okay? No, because you or are your think- own person. <laughs> <laughs> you are you. You be Cause you. Because I respect you, and I think that I think. um I come from a very um cynical. You, not cynical, but like oh, I, to... <laughs> uh, I, I come from from the perspective of like breaking down why this works and why it doesn't ah. mainly as a learning experience for myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's yeah. A, there's only a handful of films that I say was like really perfect and I just I think I just see too much behind the scenes, mm. you know. And to your point, Myron, that you said earlier, it can kind of ruin films for you. Respect. No, I respect yeah. that cuz I and like so, learning
0: about that too when when from especially from like, you know, uh people of of your intellect and your creativity. Like
2: I learned from that too and I I totally respect it for mm. sure. But I'll, at the same time I learned from you because like yeah, you're supposed to enjoy this film. Mm. And so when I look back at it, yeah, I did enjoy it. So Gets an extra half star. So I'll give it a three.
0: Three. Ah, oh, nice. Three stars. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah. yeah That's still 60%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pass fail. That's
2: a pass <laughs> fail. That's a pass fail.
1: All right, Steve O gives it three out of five. Will, what do you give it?
0: Honestly, you know, I love war films and, and as much as more details I should look into it, you know, but for from the pure aspect of what I believe a film should be, um, whether it is a biopic or whether it is based upon uh, real life events, whatever the case is, like I, I wanna be immersed and I want to I, I just I wanna always have the opportunity to watch a film and, and just enjoy it. Uh, as we all have gone to, you know, whether it's film school or, or achieving to be something in the industry of entertainment, that we tend to forget, like, oh, like I'm here to enjoy it, not to try to break it down so much. And for that reason, it really got me there to where it has I haven't been in a place like that in some time, which is I give it a four and a half star out of five.
2: All right, all right. I think right. a lot of people would. Yeah. Apparently, the Golden Globes did. <laughs> <laughs> which Um,
0: by a, by by like fact, I did not look up any other critics reviews, whatever. I didn't care about it, but I know they were raving about it, but I just, I didn't want to be like, no, I'm not trying to be the whole bandwagon thing. Like this is purely for me and my mind and not anyone else's like Mm -hmm. what I've read. So yeah. Yeah.
1: Got it. Um, I can't really give this a four star movie, but I feel like three and a half is too low. I originally, we said we wouldn't give it increments of 0.25, but I'm going to cheat and say it's a 3.75 because a three and a half feels too low. Can you
2: do three and a half slash four?
1: I, I don't think it's a four star for me. I yeah. think
0: I think with 3.75, you need to round up because it's just, you know, everyone rounds up after five, right? 0.5? Mm,
1: no. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. No, I, you I be can't. your own man. You be your I, own man. I, I can't right. give it a four because the first half hour had me so out of the movie. Mm-hmm. But then I'd like, I texted you guys after uh, the movie and I said uh, everything after I felt was close to a masterpiece, cool. but I, I can't ignore that first half hour where they just had to fully commit to this thing which pays off later but I was completely out of the movie. Someone asked me with this uh, now that you saw the film would you have gone back and amended your top 10 list and I would have to say no. Um, It's definitely in my top 20 of the year not in my top 10. Do I feel like Sam Mendes deserved to win Best Director? I like that, like he did, I would say no, because I feel as though once he rehearsed the actors, he was a slave to the shot and he couldn't really do much. And I felt that this movie is definitely worthy of uh, awards, but I felt like the Hollywood Foreign Press was honoring the technical achievement rather than the entire film itself. So I, I'm being very nitpicky here. So, no, I agree. So. They're a
2: bunch of film school nerds. Like this is a very film school type of movie. Yeah. Um. Only because like when we we're in film school, the technical stuff, we love that stuff. Mm. You know, yeah. we we refer to all the movies as the cool shot, cool yeah. shot, get the cool shot. Yeah. And so this was the whole movie was a cool shot.
1: Yeah. Basically. yeah. Right, so I think Will just dropped his review down to a three and a half stars. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We talked, him a, talked him down. own <laughs> person.
0: <laughs> I gave it a four point two.
1: All right. Just <laughs> all right. That is our review of. 1917 we will be going on a brief break and we'll be back shortly with our discussion on american beauty stay tuned before we go on break we wanted to share with you all about our friends at sbr aka shouting from the back row typically cliff and joe the hosts take sports topics and mesh them with nerd and pop culture in an attempt to create something informative and entertaining these guys have been my friends for quite a while and they offer some very unique perspectives on what's happening in the sports world, especially in the NBA. So if you'd like to hear more about how Russell Westbrook is like Killmonger or why Magic Johnson is the Michael Scott of the NBA, check out the SBR podcast. Just search Shouting from the Back Row wherever you get your podcasts or you can find them on Facebook at facebook.com slash SBR pod. Thanks. Here's Marshall Cho-cho. You're a fuck man. Prepare to leave the house.
0: Today you boys will be involved in such activities as war games ah! ambush techniques and blowing stuff up. I don't think I can do this. Was? Of course
1: you can. When
0: I was your age, I had an imaginary friend. come got me in so much trouble. Kids, it's
1: time
0: to burn some books!
1: Yeah! You are growing up too fast. And you shouldn't be celebrating war and talking politics. Uh, Hitler, I wish more of our young boys had your blind fanaticism.
0: (laughs) Did you know Jews can read each other's minds? But how would you know if you saw one? They could look just like us.
1: All right, we are back. That was a look at the trailer for Jojo Rabbit, a movie where a young boy in Hitler's army finds out his mother is hiding a Jewish girl in their home. It's also the movie that Will and I will be reviewing next week, so make sure you tune in for that. Now on to the second part of our podcast episode. We are going to be taking a look back at the movie American Beauty, which was uh, directed by Sam Mendes, the same director of 1917.
2: (music) We're having everyone write out a job description. That way,
1: management can assess who's valuable and who's expendable.
0: My parents are trying to take an active interest in me. Why can't they just have their own lives?
1: I'm so proud of you.
0: You didn't screw up once. Oh, my God. It says psycho next door. Jane, what if he worships you? I didn't mean to scare you. I'm not obsessing. I'm just curious. Why does he dress like a Bible salesman?
1: Today I quit my job, and then I blackmailed my boss for almost $60,000 past these fairs. Your dad's actually
0: kind of cute. I think he and your mother have not slept together in a long time. Shut up! You think you're the only one who's frustrated? I'm not? Well then, come on, baby, I'm ready. Welcome to America's weirdest home videos. This is for your own good, boy. There are rules in life. Yes, sir. Don't give up on me, Dad
1: just a few facts about this movie here um it was released back in 1999 and the film won five academy awards including um, awards for sam mendez as best director uh, for cinematography going to conrad hall it also won for best actor kevin spacey best screenplay alan ball um so i wanted to take a look back it has been about 20 years since the movie first came out and i know right 20 years that's how old we are Uh and (laughs) We're 20 years old We're 20 yeah. years old. <laughs> and also, um, the context around this movie has definitely changed. And, you know, some of the. Tremendously. <laughs> uh, tremendously. <laughs> and the actors in this movie have gone through um, quite a few uh, controversies? It, it, yes, controversies since the movie, which I guess somewhat shaped the way that we saw this movie now. So I wanted to go ahead and ask you all, um, first off, did you watch this film previously? And if so, was your reaction to it different um, now than when you had first seen it? So first, you, Steve-O? steve Sure. Yeah, I did see it a long time. Not when it was in
2: theaters, but um, I think in college, like on DVD or something like that. And uh, this is like before I became a filmmaker or even decided to become a filmmaker. And so I think I enjoyed it, but it's, it's hard for me to... Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I don't know how else to say mm-hmm. I, I don't think I understood. I mean, I understood what it was trying to say. But from the critical aspect that I watch films now, um, I, I, I didn't have that kind of mindset, hmm. you know.
1: Got it. Yeah. Um, and you, we kind of mentioned about the controversies that are uh, around some of the actors that were in this movie. Did it definitely frame uh, how you saw this movie this time around?
2: Yeah. So I just watched it recently and uh, it was really strange to, to rewatch it. Um there's a lot of moments that I remember differently. Um, and like uh, I, Kevin Spacey as, a, as an actor, you know, uh, before his controversies, he was well respected. And I can definitely say that back in the early 2000s, I thought he was a fine actor. But with, you know, all the controversies and allegations, you know, of, of what he's going through today, it definitely made it feel like a very strange film. It was really weird to watch. And, uh, almost uncomfortable in a way because mm-hmm. of the type of characters yeah.
1: he's playing. Yeah, Did it take you out of the movie?
2: Uh, yeah, it did. It did because okay. it's so dated, especially yeah. like what it's trying to say. Yes. And um, a lot of uh, straight characters playing gay characters. And then Kevin Spacey, who's, um has come out and he's playing a straight character. It was really interesting to see, if, you know, in that yeah, kind of. I know. Definitely. Yeah.
1: <laughs> totally. It, it affected how I saw the movie. It didn't um, take me out of it, but it was definitely there, you know. Right. Yeah. Uh, Will, how about you? First time seeing it, right? It's
0: funny the fact that, yeah, I've always seen references, memes, and whatnot of American Beauty. But I never came across to watching it. And when I finally watched it, it I felt like it was like a sublime I looked at it and thought, oh, yeah, Kevin Spacey's pretty much in jail now. Has he he, he, he been acquitted or is he in jail?
2: I don't think he's been charged yet. He's, he's just been charged allegations. yet. Right. Yeah. So allegations. Yeah. He's and he gay. releases weird messages every Christmas. Yes. Okay. <laughs> in character. In character of uh Frank Underwood. Yeah. Oh man. Watching it seemed
0: like it was this subliminal message of Kevin Spacey's future or something like yeah. it was such a weird yeah. thing to see. And and for me just watching it for the first time, I try to block that out, but I was like, in my head I can't I can't help myself, th- but to help my, uh, but to help thinking to myself, Oh yeah, it makes sense. Yes. Like, okay, this is Kevin Spacey. Like in the past <laughs> yelling out, this is who I really am. Like, I'm playing straight, but I really am gay. I don't know. Like it was just weird.
1: Yeah. So for myself, I had previously watched the movie when I was a sophomore in college. And uh, I have to say that I had a very different experience watching it this time around. Um, I don't think I got it then, Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think a part of that, he has this line in this movie where he's talking to Wes Bentley's character and he says, talking about his younger years, he said, all I did was party and get laid. I had my whole life in front of me. And you can kind of see that he never really grew up and he kind of wants to go back to that time where he had no worries or responsibilities. And I think he feels like he's disappearing. I think that's that's fair to say. So I had this epiphany, if I can go on a little bit of a tangent for a moment. Um, Sure. Um, when my son was just born, I was watching black Panther and, uh, I, this, this thought occurred to me. Let me backtrack a little bit. I think that as creatives, we kind of like to think of our life as a movie in which we are the main character in the star. We go through our arc, we go through our storylines and things happen. And then, you know, our movie, uh, in our head is still being played out the narrative has yet to be completed and then I realized I was watching Black Panther right after my son was born on on Blu-ray and I realized that um you know sometimes you watch a movie and you relate to the main character and I just thought to myself I'm not the main character in my movie anymore I'm the side supporting character in my and my son is the main character in the movie now so in that sense this shift from uh you know main actor to supporting actor um in someone else's narrative Uh, felt great, you know, now I could be here for my son, but it was also severely depressing to know that I have more years behind me than I do ahead of me. And I have had my shot and my narrative and now it's time for me to be here for someone else, you know, mm-hmm. and I felt like I was losing myself to some extent. Um, And I and just in that mindset, of course, you know, I've kind of gotten over that, you know, I wasn't like severely depressed or anything. But now watching this movie, was that thought uh, of, you know, someone who's about to, myself. I'm going to turn 40 in a few months and um I don't know, it's. I think a very natural thing for people to feel like you're disappearing as you get older, you're losing a bit of yourself, your identity, um, you know, and it's, it's not fun, you know, but it's a part of growing up as they say. So with that context, I now watched this movie this past week and I related very much to Lester Burnham's character and everything that he went through. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, Perverted and twisted that he was trying to sleep with a, a young high school girl. Yeah. But the thing that I got from it is it's not so much that he tried to do that. He wanted to do something different to feel alive again. And it could have been anything. Just in this movie, it was that one thing. You know, it grabbed people's attention, which you know, movies are supposed to do. The movie really did resonate with me in a way that it never had before. Hmm. And I was able to accept the satire and the and the absurdity of some of the scenes. Um, knowing full well that underneath it was a very, very serious, very, very identifiable problem that I think all of us have as we get older. Hmm. Um, so with that being said, what are the themes that stick out in this film? So first, you, Skibo. Uh,
2: so one of the major things that I, I saw was like mental health. That was really interesting to see. when mm-hmm. The first time I watched this, I wasn't really aware of mental health issues. You know, and it wasn't until friends of mine started to be diagnosed and it kind of explained certain, you know, behaviors and whatnot that watching this again, like I can clearly identify, you know, some mental health issues here and there. And so I thought that was a really interesting kind of overarching theme. Mm -hmm. Like each of the characters seem to have a certain form of behavioral issues, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's narcissism or, you know, not schizophrenia, but something similar to that. Or, you know, it was really interesting to see that.
1: So, um, oh, so question. You bring that up in the context of this movie. Um, are you saying that these people are mentally ill in the film, or they're not? Not, not ill. I, I
2: don't see it like mental uh, mental health issues as an illness. Uh-huh. You know, it's just um, it's just issues that um, people. Some people might be going through, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And whether that can be solved through um, therapy or mm-hmm. um, through uh, chemicals, I, I don't know. But uh, just I uh, identified that. A lot of these characters were dealing with issues that kind of seemed a little bit beyond their control. And so they're lashing out in different ways. In terms of mental health, I'm not saying like these are all like easily diagnosable issues. Right, right. I'm saying just that they were mentally unhealthy, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and it was causing effects in their lives. Like mental health doesn't necessarily mean you have. You know, paranoid schizophrenia or anything like no, that. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were just mentally not in a good place. It's, yeah. It, yeah, and it goes with Kevin Spacey's
0: wife, too, where exactly. she, yeah, she just wanted to be yeah. number one on the Mean Mina's character, too. Mean, for sure. And I just had no respect for her and just not realizing, like, even in the marriage aspect between her and, and her husband, like, like Kevin, Kevin's character had needs and she just did not.
2: But she also has needs, too. She does, And that too. wasn't being met as well. There True. was a dysfunction in their marriage. Not to be like, like a armchair uh, psychoanalyst here. No, no, yeah. I, I'm, I'm just saying, like, each of the characters, it felt like it was written from the perspective of, you know, um, mental health. True. Um, you know, each character represented something, some issue.
0: I guess I'm just and, giving Kevin Space a little bit more slack, only because he was more of the. You know, just like, okay, honey, yes. Well, technically, it
2: is his story. It's told from his perspective as a dead man.
0: But for her to be more of a... For her, though, to be more of that hyperactive, like more observant and aware, I feel like she should have... I don't know. For me, I just thought, how do you not notice your husband you know being that the way he is and 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 the way how he's acting how you're not noticing that there's something wrong and and what you're doing kind of thing and i don't know like one you know the whole kind of aspect of relationships like one has to start the communication and one has to like be aware of it in the beginning and i felt like her character kind of exuded that like she should have been aware of that kind of thing in that in that sense of what was well, going on. well i think on. she's
1: definitely the easy person to blame because she's the conflict starter the yeah. more abrasive personality but i still think it takes two to tango in it some does sense. i yeah. agree completely agree
2: because I, I felt like i was a more on um Annette benning's character side really than, um
0: oh interesting okay okay yeah she's
1: very emotionally um very emotional and he's very emotionally detached i think both can be you know, mm-hmm. very uh, hard to deal with. It's um, so
2: complicated jeez.
1: Yeah. Marriage. Yeah. <laughs> a- any, any other thoughts, Steve-O?
2: Um, I think you might pick up on these two, but like uh, themes of like self-identity, um, you know, uh, sexual identity, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, like the idea of like the facade, the American, you know, white picket fence ideal versus like the real dysfunction that's happening within each of these characters. And mm. it, there's a lot of themes in there. And I think that's what made it uh, compelling.
1: Yeah. Um, Going off of that, one of the big things that I saw is is that all these characters in this movie, they're dealing with putting up masks, um, trying to hide their true selves so they can put up a version of someone that they feel would be more acceptable or more well-liked. We see that with the Ned Benning's character. When she feels like she's failing, she literally is screaming at herself to live up to the image that she feels like, you know, would be something that people would respect, the type of person that someone would want to buy a house from. We're also looking at Kevin Spacey's character, Lester, who has a mask on and has just, is just so over it that he just throws it out the window. And there's Mina Suvaro's character, Angela, who has a massive mask on where she is telling everyone about all of her sexual exploits. And in truth, she's a virgin. You know, she wants to be liked. She wants to be popular. She wants to be cool. She wants to be a model. Yeah, she wants to be a model. And then the two people that I feel like are struggling with not having a mask. Well, the two people that don't have any masks is first Thora Birch's character. Um, She wants to have a mask. She wants for people to like her and accept her. But she can't help but be real. And I think that scares her because it makes her feel vulnerable. And then there is, of course, uh, Ricky Fitz, played by Wes Bentley, who isn't wearing a mask at all and doesn't care. And doesn't care if people see him for how he really is. Mm. It makes people hella awkward, but he doesn't care, you know? So I feel like this whole movie is about the masks we put up and what happens when those masks are kind of pulled away or taken off. Will, did you have any thoughts on any themes that popped out to you? Well, basically the high dysfunction. that, this, yeah.
0: And also I do agree with that There was this facade and this mask of what they were wearing, like because to fit in. Which is is actually normal in, in society, no matter what, to always want to fit in, to always want to be accepted, to always wanted to get ahead by, um, obviously, um, bragging about yourself or putting yourself on a pedestal in whatever you're trying to achieve. And then I think it's refreshing also to see, um, another side where you have Ricky Fitz, where you have, this, this character who is authentic and doesn't care about what others think. And I think that that personality, that kind of uh, authenticity is what is being preached a lot now these days, right? How when you look at Instagram, people are saying like, oh, you know, you know, I may be a model, but it's not all glitz and glamour. And they try to be inspiring and, and authentic, whatever, which is still a great area for me at times. And it's like, okay, great, but you're still pretty in the end, kind of thing. You're still you're still
2: yeah, uh, but I do have one issue with uh, Ricky's character, though, is that it feels like he's um, he lacks empathy. He's robotic. <laughs> yes. he you is, know? and so that's where the mental health issue also comes back Right. Up. And, I th- and, I, he and he knows and I the right the answers. Dad. And like I've had friends who were schizophrenic, and yeah, they knew the right answers to say because mm-hmm. they're very intelligent. Yes, you know, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're in a right space. No, you're right. And it was creepy to the way how
0: actually he would respond to his father after he was getting like beaten, not dis cause a discipline. I was like, no, that is, you were beating your kid. And he would just say like, you know, yes, sir. Thank you for, you know, um, for, for disciplining me and, and, and continuing to, to not give up on me. And he was like bloody mouth and nose. I'm just like, yeah. this is not, this is not cool. Yeah. <laughs> this is not like in today's society. Yeah. Dad, we get arrested, whatever kind yeah. of thing. Right. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. Um, yeah, for me, I, I didn't think that any of, I think mental health is a big theme in this movie. Um, I thought that most of what was happening and the actions people were were, were participating in, it wasn't meant to be taken literally. I feel like it's almost an absurdist black comedy. uh, and that part is just masking the the deep feelings of insecurity and feelings of of just being lost underneath it all. Mm -hmm. But I think that's there's so many ways to actually look at this and interpret the movie. And I
2: think that's why it you know, thematically there's so many themes to play with in this film
1: one last question for you both Uh, we already kind of I think talked a lot about the themes um you know how we responded to the movie but what is your overall review of the film today in 2020 for a film that was made you know back in 1999 so first steve-o
2: sure um yeah to your point like it's so hard to talk about those films because it feels so dated now you know um like Seeing Kevin Spacey in there, it it feels strange knowing what we know now, mm. right? <laughs> so weird. <laughs> uh, I think maybe this seemed really edgy back then, which I could totally see. Completely. But, uh, you know, society has uh, evolved and, you know, uh, different um, parameters and um, identities have been embraced, you know? And so it, it's changed a lot. But uh, I do appreciate the film's aspirations, I think, it, from the standpoint of 2020. Like, uh, even though the message feels outdated, like, there's a... Uh, I think mental health is, is another issue that has become much more relevant, especially with mass shootings. And it, it feels like that always seems like an, a, a reason for a, a lot of these um, uh, uh, shootings and, you know, incidents and whatnot. Right. Um, also, like, sexual identity has come a long way. Like, I don't think uh, you'd really see Scott Bakula playing a gay couple anymore. It seemed like it was um, uh, not promoting homophobia, but like, you know, painting um, gay sexual identity as something to be feared in society. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I got that really strong yeah. hit at the
1: end. I felt like a very heterosexual male director way of shooting what a homosexual yeah. would look like right? back yeah. in 1999. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly.
2: And uh, I think um, there's also some other issues I had, like the, like the objectification of women. I mean, that's really obviously clear. Uh, Completely. I was uh, yeah. on a project and... Um, for like a commercial and someone mentioned like, uh, for our actress, like, Oh, let's get the American beauty shot. And, uh, myself and some of the, the female leadership in the room were like, no, that's a bad reference. <laughs> Cause you know, you're objectifying women versus, yeah. Yeah. uh, you know, um, Advertising towards them,
0: and I think that's because if they, I, I think they. It's funny because in my head, I thought they probably didn't watch the movie. They just saw that shot and thought, "Oh, this is a beautiful shot." But what it, what the metaphor is, it's like, no, 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 no. Yeah, that, that, yeah. it doesn't mean what you think it does. Right. So. Right. It's a beautiful shot, though. Yeah. Like in my head, yeah. I thought, "Wow, this." Even before I, like, like I said, I've never seen the film. Yeah. Until until when I looked at up but when I did look at that photo, mm-hmm. I always thought. Wow, this is such an artistic, beautiful... Yeah, it's so iconic. Iconic yeah. shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then once I realized what it meant, I was like, oh, shoot, no, mm-hmm. no. Yeah.
2: But at the same time, I give credit that it tries to tackle that, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, when I saw this 20, uh, not 20 years ago, but when I saw this when I was younger, um, I didn't understand the pedophilia aspect of it, you know? Ah. And then it wasn't until, like, re-watching it now, like, it, it feels very, very clear that, you know, Kevin Spacey's character... And then um, reading into like uh, some of the the background story of uh, the who was the his daughter, Thora Birch. Uh, yeah, so she was seventeen when she did that nude scene. So technically, that's underage nude.
1: I agree with all that. I will have to say though, I feel like this tackles the objectification of women in a different way. It actually says so that it's bad, you know, and it tackles it head on and it says like. Um, you know, this guy has an empty life and he objectifies his teenage girl only to find out that at the end it wasn't about the girl at all and he was wrong to have done that. Yeah. It's I mean, okay with it.
2: I know we talked about this earlier, but I mean he got her drunk, he took her clothes off. <laughs> you know, that that's predatory acts right there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, touche.
1: Completely. <laughs> all right. Any other thoughts, Steva?
2: Yeah, Alice and Janie was wasted on this. Mm. I mean, she's a phenomenal actress and mm. And that's another issue of, like, I, loved her and I, 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 I was Googling, like, what kind of um, mental health issue did she have? And I couldn't find an answer yeah. to that, like, because I think it was just kind of made up. Like, oh, she's uh, had some trauma, so let's just have her be cat- uh, catatonic.
1: How about yourself, Will? What are your thoughts on this film?
0: In terms of the subject matter of mental health and, um, you know self-identity and, and just the kind of like dysfunctional aspect of like what people desire and and how they can get trapped. Um, it it is relevant today still, but as Steve-O did say, like, um, from a, basically from a visual and a story perspective, like craft wise, craft wise. No, it's, 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 it is outdated in that sense. Um, but man, I, overall though, as a dark it, to me it was kind of a dark comedy and i i thought it was a
1: great performance it was a great film and i i did enjoy it for me um yeah i rewatched this and i was riveted i watched it with my wife and she enjoyed it as well it worked on a lot of different levels Totally, the movie takes place in some sort of hyper-reality where the characters are doing things that people in real life only think about doing, but don't actually have the courage to do. Yeah, like wish fulfillment. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so it, it was like an absurdist black comedy with something with, with a deeper meaning. And, you know, this idea of discontentment and of feeling ins- insignificant as you get older. These are things that I think everyone will, will deal with in some shape or form and i've never seen a film that tried to tackle it in this way so um you know 20 years later i feel like the themes hold up the performances hold up i mean i feel like the director and the actors were literally walking a tightrope. um it felt as though you know annette benning and kevin spacey were overacting in some of the scenes but i realized (laughs) there's a very fine line between you know the scene calls for you to overact, and are you really overacting to the point where it's it's more than what this movie or or scene requires or needs? And they walk that tightrope every single scene, and I feel like they they got away with it. They accomplished what they what they set out to do. So I really did like this movie, and I consider it a masterpiece.
0: I think I think also yeah, uh, in terms of why I really did find this film to be great was, as you said, the hyper-reality of it. And I think that when you can watch a film that you know is where they talk on topics that are relevant in themes such as mental health and the sod, right? But for them to kind of over-exaggerate, not walking on like the tight rope where, you know, with certain situations, but the idea of like being able to go beyond to where it's just like, wow, that that we think about that, But in terms of reality, like there's, there's, I, I, we, I can't, I can't yield to the fact that that would ever really happen, but to see it on screen, just to kind of get a visual on like what that would look like from a director's perspective or anyone who's telling a story's perspective, I thought, wow, that's, that is, that is just, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's great to be able to watch a film for the sake, for the sake of why a film is a film in general, like why we get entertainment in film in that sense.
1: So, Hmm. yeah. Great, so I'm glad you did enjoy the movie, Will. So, last but not least, let's give it our uh, ratings out of five stars. Stevo, what would you say?
2: Uh, so, pre-film, Stevo probably would have given it a four, just because at the time it seemed, you know, like a cool, edgy film. But uh, I don't know; I, I give it a solid three point five. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're not a Sam Mendes fan, I take it.
2: Uh you know. <laughs> Like, American Beauty kind of put him, put him on the map for me. Yes. But then Road to Perdition to me felt a little flat. It's supposed to be a very violent graphic novel, and it was very subdued. Mm. And then Jarhead was, um, I think I was expecting so much more because it was, it was a war movie, but then it's like an anti, like not an anti war, but like an unwar movie mm. that mm-hmm. takes place during wartime. Mm-hmm.
1: How about you, Will? What do you give it?
2: Mm. Present Will. Well, uh, I give it a four,
0: but who knows? Ten years from now, if I watch it again, we'll see what I get. Ah. No, no <laughs> I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> I, um, I know that for you, Stevo, o uh, remembering what you, what you felt about it for the first time, I know that uh, as time goes by and any film that you watch, uh, you watch it later on, you get just I don't know like different things stand out or different perspectives stand out or something that you saw that you didn't see before stand out. Yeah, like so, we grow up.
2: Yes, and you know things yeah. mean different things now.
0: Yeah, and I can only so I can only hope that from what I gained from from the first time watching it and also from hearing your guys' perspective on it that okay I got a pretty good grasp and it still came out a pretty solid four for me. But who knows? Maybe in a couple of years I I'll decide to go back and watch it again and. I might have a different opinion. Mm. But yeah, that's the yeah. beauty of film. That's the beauty of Absolutely. watching it's films true. all the time. So, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. and yeah. also, there's no wrong answer. No, you know, exactly. everyone interprets no. it differently. Yeah. I'm sorry, I kind of put it through the lens of mental health, but you know, no, some people—that's your way of seeing it. That's just, yeah, fine. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, sweet. What about you, Myron? Um, I have to say, I give it five stars. Um, Dang. That's not what I would have given it. That's um, perfect. Yeah, it's not what I would have given it 20 years ago. This is your
0: five, first five star?
1: Uh, first five star review so far pot- on the uh, podcast. Wow. His best film by far, it's not his best film visually, that would be Skyfall in 1917. But like I said, he walks a very thin tightrope Mendes does between satire, absurdism, comedy, melodrama, and deeply unsettling adult themes. He does it perfectly. So five stars.
0: Wow. Wow.
1: I know. Whoa. All right. That is our show for the day thank you to will and so thank you to will and thank you to steve-o for uh, recording we actually did this face-to-face in like our last couple of episodes so they all drove down i appreciate you guys yeah you are welcome yeah. so uh tune in next week for a review of jojo rabbit and you look back at uh one of taika waititi's earlier films what we do in the shadows we'll see you next week thanks
0: later peace